Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hi, this is Kelly. Ah, Kelly, Kelly, Kelly. And this this is Katie. Uh, We've missed having Kelly on the show. I'm so happy that you're back because your stories are, I mean, not your stories, your lessons. (laughs) (laughs) Are amazing. Yeah. Next level, next level lessons. They're just very enlightening I learn a lot every single time. I love that you're like letting me kind of process like some of my past trauma uh, yeah. from the church because like that has been one of the most healing things is being able to talk about it and being able to kind of, you know, put it behind me a little bit. Um, yeah. I feel like if, if you can talk about it and then as hard as it is, sometimes talk about it, sometimes you can laugh about it and then it's not so heavy right uh, on you like you can kind of get it out and people can listen and be like oh actually yeah I experienced something like that too so <laughs> exactly exactly like like I've always said my story is not unique <laughs> copy paste <laughs> I mean there are some unique aspects to it but yeah I think a lot of us it's like oh we kind of basically all went through the same shit just with like little different bursts of different weird flavors <laughs> Around. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's freaking Baskin Robbins up in here. It's so many. Characters. Oh. <laughs> oh man, Baskin Robbins. That's a blast from my past. I know. I haven't thought about that in forever. I feel like I went there like as a child in remember achievement days for yes. girls. I feel like we went there for something. I don't know. Blast from the past. But anyway, today, dear listeners, uh Kelly has again prepared the lesson. And I just get to sit here and listen and react. So, Kelly, take it away. All right. Well, again, thank you, Katie, for letting me come back on. Um, I always love the sound of my own voice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I freaking love having you on. It's always such a blast. (laughs) Uh, So just to give you guys a little background on me, um, I was recently... I recently had some mental health challenges and um, went through, God, I, I did a lot of freaking work, got mm-hmm. some medications, and I'm on the path to like really being better than I've ever been in my whole entire life ever. Uh, so I great. Know. It's so, so great. It's, it's the weirdest feeling. It's like, I, I don't know if you've experienced this, um, but like depression, everything is, it's like literally like you're walking like a zombie, mm. like it's, it's just awful. And then the other day I woke up and I got out of bed and I was like, whoa, is this what like being normal feels like? <laughs> it's like, I can get out of bed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God. It makes me so happy that you're, that you're doing better because uh. Uh, that can get real dark, you know? Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I know. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that's one of the things that I really want to talk about just in general is uh, mental health awareness and just like getting rid of the stigma involved with mental illness, because, you know, if like, I always compare it to like cancer and I really do feel like mental illness is comparable to cancer because it could be deadly. Right. Um, right. And, you know, it's something that when I was going through my challenges, Katie was like one of the only people who was actually reaching out to me because I think, and I don't blame them. Like, I don't blame anyone. I know that it's just, you don't know what to say right? Uh, because I was inpatient for about 10 days. And then I went through a partial hospitalization program and then an intensive outpatient program. It was like three months worth of just 
freaking like remodeling, revamping Kelly. And, um, yeah, it was just my husband, uh, my son and my mom that were really there for me. And Katie would check on me and it was, it was very isolating. Um, but also I just want to like, let people know you're not alone and that, you know, yes, it can be extremely isolating, but it is getting better and getting healthier is seriously the absolute best thing I could have done for myself. And now I feel like I'm in a place where I like myself and I am able to talk to people. And it's like, I'm, you know, I'm reengaging with friends that, that kind of went away a little bit just because I get it. Who knows what to say when somebody's in the hospital for having, you know, wanting to, to end their life suicide morning. Um, but I, I I just am like, you know what? They didn't know the real me. And so now I'm letting these people get to know the real me. And um, it's fun. I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes me so incredibly happy. I have the biggest smile right now. And I'm I'm thrilled that you said that you like yourself now because you're just like one of the most likable humans <laughs> I've ever met. And I'm like... Oh, you should, yeah, you should like yourself. Like I freaking love you. So I'm really glad that, that you've reached that point. It's, it's really lovely. And I think that's just so great of you to say to any listeners who are struggling because we know people do struggle and you and I have both struggled with it. So to hear that it does get better and you're not alone and you can reach out for help at any point. Yes, absolutely. Um, there are, there are so many people out there who are willing to help. They have the tools. That's the problem is we, we get diagnosed with these things, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was diagnosed with, I have, you know, anxiety disorder. I have depression. I have PTSD. Um, the whole gamut. I just got it all. And, um, you know, that doesn't define me. And it also, I think, it gave me a lot more empathy for other people. And, um, yeah, just like you can get better Yeah, with the tools. You just have to work really fucking hard. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so worth it anyway. So that long prelude to our, our talk today, our, um, (laughs) I'm sorry, our lesson (laughs) is, uh, we are going to be discussing, uh, anxiety And, uh, but in particular, we're going, since there are several different kinds of anxiety, um, we're going to talk about specifically obsessive compulsive disorder. Okay. Now, um, I am not a doctor. I am not a nurse. I am not a medical professional whatsoever. I just, I am from the school of life. So if I get things wrong, you know, I'm sorry. Don't sue me. I mean, Um, (laughs) I mean, I'm a doctor, obviously. Uh Okay. So there are several different kinds of anxiety disorder. Like we have the generalized anxiety disorder. Uh, You have panic disorder, which I've had that too. That's super fun. Uh, Post-traumatic stress disorder, social anxiety, and we've got the OCD, obsessive Mm -hmm. compulsive. And um, so the, uh, I'm getting this from, um, actually I got all these handouts when I was going through treatment and I saved every single one of them. So this is from Intermountain Healthcare. Oh, which, great. Okay. Uh, it sounds like that would be a Mormon place. You know sure. what? Um, from what I remember living in U- Utah, like in the Provo area, the, um, I feel like a lot of the hospitals and stuff were 
were named that or part yeah. of that, uh, whatever you'd call it, that conglomerate. I don't know the lingo, but that does sound like something that, yeah, was in Utah. So probably yeah. kind of formity. <laughs> that makes this even better. Okay. So yeah. the obsessive compulsive disorder, if those of you aren't familiar with it, basically people who suffer from this um, typically have some of the like symptoms where they have persistent unwelcome thoughts like obsessions. Um, an urgent need to repeat certain ritual behaviors, that's compulsions. Mine in particular <laughs> is, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read um, an essay that I wrote in <laughs> in college at BYU. And um, oh, I think it's boy. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. Like I, one of my OCD things is I count. Okay. Like if I'm going up or downstairs, automatically I have to count them. It's the weirdest thing. Um, I you don't know what? I do little tiny things like that in my head sometimes too. And I've never ever said that to anybody. I've never really thought about it. But when you just said that, I was like, I do that. And when I was younger, I would do this thing with light switches where I would have to turn it like on and then off and then on and then off and then on and off and go one, <laughs> I'd go one, two, one, two, one, two. And then I'd leave it. Like, I don't do that anymore, but that triggered a memory, Kelly. Oh, wow. Did you get a hell of a flashback? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> so, um, fun fact, people with OCD, we do realize that that's, like, not normal. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, every time I would go, like, to a different house for, like, an Airbnb or whatever, and I would, like, say, okay, y'all, there are 17 stairs. And they're like... <laughs> Okay. Like, How the hell do you know that? <laughs> I know. And then I would count them coming down. I'm like, there's still 17. Like it was so, it's so weird that I had to do that anyway. Um, so I don't live in a two story house now, partially because of that compulsion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And typically people with OCD, they try to ignore these rituals, but it's a compulsion. They, they literally cannot stop. They're, they're just, they're trapped. And yeah. um, so they know it's not normal, but they can't stop them. Right. And it's kind of gets to the point where it takes over your whole life. Like I have had to start at the top of the stairs, God damn it. Because I like lost count. Oh, I'm like, Son of a bitch. And oh. so then I count my steps going up, you know, cause I got to get, up. it's, it's a problem. Oh <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so there's a question out there, I'm sure people just wonder what happens. Like, how do people get anxiety disorders? Um, and there are typically four different ways that you can get them. And uh, one of the main ways is your brain chemistry. Like, it's a factor in most anxiety disorders. And the reason that we know that, it's really hard to kind of like test the brain. Um, but the reason we know that is because the symptoms of OCD are often, they're uh, relieved by the medications like Prozac or fluoxetine. Right like that, um, that they alter the chemicals of the brain. I'm not going to get into details because that is boring, <laughs> but just basically drugs in this instance are great. Right. Um, yeah. Also, you've got your family history. Genetics plays a huge part uh, in this too, because yeah. I mean, it, it runs in families. My mom definitely has at least four <laughs> okay. disorders. I mean, bless her heart. I freaking love my mom, you guys. Um, but she doesn't leave her house. Oh. And when I was at the deepest, darkest point of my, um, my illness, I couldn't leave the house. Yeah. And so now I'm like seeing these things in my mom and I'm just like, dang, you know, to, to be living 70 something years where you don't drive your car, 
You don't leave your house. She's alone because my dad is gone. It's just like, yeah, it's tough. It can trap you. These, these disorders, these illnesses can really keep you prisoner. Um, it freaking sucks. But so studies show that anxiety disorders run in families. Um, it's most likely due to the genetics and it's interesting that identical twins are more likely to share an anxiety disorder than twins that are not identical. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. There's also life experiences. I mean, shocking, like exposure to abuse, violence, or poverty. Right. Increase the likelihood of getting these illnesses. Um, right. I mean, yeah. If your life is fucking hard, I mean, obviously your mental health is going to suffer. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and learn behaviors and thinking patterns. It says people with low self-esteem, hi, uh, <laughs> that was me, and poor coping skills, oh, hello, <laughs> <laughs> may be prone to anxiety disorders. Okay. So there you go. That's some anxiety disorders. And okay. um, when I was at BYU, my freshman year, you're going to be able to hear it. You can hear the paper. I, I can hear the paper. ASMR. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So I wrote, I had a 10 page research paper that I had to do on something like it it was in psychology class and the religion class. So it was a dual thing, Um, you know, because psychology and religion go hand in hand (laughs) like peanut butter and gasoline. So (laughs) Yes, those things should always be mixed together. Always. Um, and I, we, it had to be a nature versus nurture. You had to pick a mental illness, some kind of disorder and decide whether it was nature or nurture that caused that illness. Okay. Now I decided that it was human. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was, I said it was nurture. We'll get into that. All right. I'm kind of an asshole. So <laughs> I'm reading these to kind of pay penance for the, <laughs> the things I said when I was Mormon, but I think it's actually kind of freaking cool to see that, you know, these people that are so involved and so deep in the Mormon church or just any kind of cult religion, you can get out and you can completely change your way of thinking. It's Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the the best things. It's like looking back on things that I said or did when I was Mormon. And of course, you cringe and you're like, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, why did I think that way? But then it's like it is like refreshing and makes you feel better to know like, oh, well, I at least recognize I recognize the error now and I, I cringe about it now, so which means that I've grown and I've changed. Yeah, that's exactly. Good part. Yeah, because <laughs> that is that's one of the hardest things for me to like overcome, I think. Like, I feel like a completely different person now. And so it's yeah, it's just interesting to go back. So. Uh, I'm going to get started on this. It's called The Nature of Obsessive Compulsive Disorder by Kelly Hayes in Psychology 111 and Religion 121. Okay. All right. I had my social on there. I won't read that. Okay. (laughs) So I'm just going to skip to different parts of it because it is, once again, a 10-page research paper. Um, But so basically, I started off by talking about some facts, which is good. (laughs) Um, I say one in four adults and one in 100 children suffer from OCD. Has said this this disorder is believed by many psychologists and researchers to be an innate neuro- neurological disorder treated with prescription drugs. However, a vast number argue that OCD is a learned complication due to early childhood trauma or stimuli in the outside world and is treatable mainly through extensive cognitive therapy. 
And I said, I agree that OCD is a nurtured disease and there is a numerous, God, I just typos so bad. And there is a numerous amount of evidence to support the viewpoint of OCD through extensive research of established psychologists and also through the support of my religious beliefs. Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> now, I, I actually, do you remember that movie, As Good As It Gets? Yes, okay, I do. So- I, do. That was, I think when I was young, that was like my first exposure to what like someone with OCD might yeah behave. yeah yeah well I I actually reference that in this and I'm like talking about how crazy Jack Nicholson is as I'm there counting fucking steps <laughs> <laughs> oh my I mean God. sometimes I'll legit in the middle of the parking lot and I'll be like I'm at 300 steps I don't know if this happened so I mean <laughs> it's not exclusive to stairs you guys um, oh oh my goodness uh yeah so um, I, I talk about those who argue that OCD is caused by innate biological malfunctions believe this disorder to stem from several complications within the brain. And they claim that it, I love how I say it, they claim it may be treated with proper drugs. Um, right, but it's like it is treated with proper drugs. But. I mean, yeah, like fun fact, you guys, like drugs do help. Like, and even like, it bugs me that people like totally stigmatize anti-anxiety medicine and antidepressants because why would you want to suffer? I know. And then I know. there's something you can take to help like bridge the gap until you can get through some therapy. Like, right. like I, I haven't said this on the podcast, but I'm going to now I struggled and these past couple of years, especially really, really, really bad with anxiety and mental health things. And I just, at the beginning of December last year, was able to get anti-anxiety medication. And oh my God, the difference that it has it's made. Crazy. But to think that I, I mean, you know, healthcare in the U.S. is kind of hard anyway, like with mm-hmm. insurance and all that shit. So that was part of it. But like, I think another part of it was working through my own like internalized stig- stigma, like stigmatizing uh-huh. of it because I you know, we grew up in an environment in like Mormonism where it's like, if, if you have mental health issues, then it's like your fault somehow. And you, Uh you didn't pray enough or something. And Uh so I had to like work through that and finally like ask for help. And it's just like, yeah, I like, like I can meditate every day, but the, the, the pills I take are what really helps me. So well, a hundred percent, especially, and you know, those short acting things are benzodiazepines can be very good, but they're also extremely addictive, but right. they're, they're freaking awesome. If you're like about to have a panic attack, they can really save your life. Like, right. Cause you do, yeah. you feel like you're going to die when you're uh-huh. having a panic attack. I know. So scary. Um, so I talk about like different ways that they treat, um, OCD. And I, I talk about this woman who she was like obsessed with perfection, right? She just wanted to be perfect. <laughs> Sounds familiar. And um, <laughs> she was actually like in a car accident when she was younger. And so she, that was the way that she found control was through her obsession and, you know, the, the compulsion she had to make oh. everything neat and tidy. Uh-huh. And it just worsened. Like the older she got, the worse it got. She ended up like she would drop a piece of like, you know, when you're dragging shit out of the laundry and you drop like a sock on the floor, I usually drop half of the, the clothes on the floor because <laughs> I, I pack the washer full. Oh, anyway. same. <laughs> so 
so she would drop something on the floor. She'd have to start all the way over again. Um, so, you know, it sucked and it ended up, she lost her husband. She, you know, she just had a really difficult time. Um, and one of the things that can help people when they're having this is, you know, obviously some cognitive therapy, some CBT, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, it, it really helps you kind of restructure and remodel how your brain works. Um, and they, in this, uh, research paper, um, I said that, uh, Typically, treatment successes, success rates for uh, particularly OCD, for treating OCD, uh, if you go through therapy, 60 to 85% of the people see improvement. I oh, mean, wow. Huge. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I said that uh, I decided through that, through, you know, people being able to be helped through uh, through cognitive therapy, I was like, my religious beliefs further solidify my argument that OCD is a nurture problem. Just wait. <laughs> oh, God, what's coming? Okay. <laughs> As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I feel one of Heavenly Father's great gifts to his children is free agency. This means all mankind has the freedom to choose their individual path in life and are held accountable for their choices. David O. Okay, is quoted... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> as saying, freedom of choice is more to be treasured than any other possession Earth can give. This is a powerful statement, especially when viewed under the light of OCD. Okay, so I say that, <laughs> okay, um, it basically, OCD takes away your free agency because you're trapped by these obsessions and compulsions, right? Uh-huh. This is, uh, this is what I said. I said, would a loving father in heaven inhibit one of his precious sons or daughters from progressing to their full potential? I argue that he would not. It is obvious under that light alone that OCD is a disorder caused by situations occurring in a person's life, not something they've had since birth. Uh-oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, I'm just over here, like, I'm just listening to you, and I'm like, this was in a university, like, research paper. <laughs> <laughs> loving heavenly father like if this was any other university they'd be like what the hell <laughs> i know that's that's my only only back like that's the whole thesis right there you guys oh my god wouldn't do that it's like but, but, okay so god wouldn't do that but he would allow things to happen to you to traumatize you yeah. to then develop it Oh, that's a loving heavenly father. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my so, god! But I mean, I did back it up. I have some some uh, I have support for this argument. Um, it comes from the Book of Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. Okay. In Second Nephi 2.27, it states, Wherefore men are free according to the flesh, and all things are given them which are expedient unto man. And they are, and I bolded this, they are free to choose. <laughs> Liberty and eternal life. Um, or the, the captivity and power of the devil, blah, blah, blah. Because the devil, as you know, he's the one who makes us miserable, Katie. Obviously. Obviously. Okay. It's him. And and it, this is, <laughs> I'm just over here, like, trying to wrap my mind around it. Like, <laughs> no, you can't be born with, like, a, you know, 
a mental illness, you have to be develop it. But also, like, it's almost as if, like, oh, did you choose to have the mental illness because of all this free agency? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, what's funny. I just remembered. At the time, I was anorexic. <laughs> so, oh. I, no, I mean, it's fine. I'm fine from it. But um, yeah. I, as I'm sitting here judging people about this you know, having to be perfect and, and everything. That's literally what I was doing. Um, oh, right. Right. Yeah. Oh. So I know. And so I said, are there any scriptural accounts of obsessive behavior? When pondering <laughs> that question, I love how I talk. It's so <laughs> stupid. My thoughts drifted towards the old Testament story of Saul and David. No, no, my thoughts did not drift there. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Pretty sure that didn't happen. I talk about Saul's obsession over David and how that was his, um, that was his obsession. It was, he had OCD, according to me. <laughs> you diagnosed him. Oh, I diagnosed God. Saul. The, 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 the line, my thoughts drifted. It's so <laughs> reads like a sacrament meeting talk and I know I know <laughs> I know that's the thing it's like I really I could have had a career writing sacrament talks you and, or even like general authority talk oh hell yeah can you imagine good old <laughs> what's his face who's the oh rusty that's like reading off a talk and I'm like I wrote that <laughs> yeah you're just like telling everyone during general conference that was mine <laughs> yeah that's not revelation that's research <laughs> in the Bible. Um, so, okay. I come back with some facts here because, you know, I've, I've done too much bullshit and I talk about how prevalent OCD is today. I'm like, if it occurred so many hundreds of years ago, um, you know, at least 2000, because the earth is only 4,000 years old, <laughs> just how much the population suffers from its tenacity today. More than one would think in America alone, there are 23 million citizens suffering from OCD tendencies. Um, it doesn't care. I, I'm like, OCD has no limitations. It cares not. <laughs> <laughs> it cares not. That is such a Mormon phrase. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> cares <I'm> not. <laughs> okay. It cares not if you are a man or woman, black or white, young or old, Catholic or Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you used the Mormon word. This is before it was a victory for Satan. This is true. I, you know what? Do they say the Book of Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? They do not. <laughs> they call it the fucking Book of Mormon. Thank you. The Book of a member of a Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so I, I kind of just go on about how <laughs> I talk about prayer and how. Um, <laughs> It just gets better and better. Oh, no. <laughs> um, take for instance, I, I say take for instance, something which is not a bad thing, but could possibly be an example of obsessive compulsive behavior. Prayer, period. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is killing me. Okay, <laughs> this next sentence is really good. You guys, okay. This word does not normally make a person shrink in fear. Oh, it does for me, honey. <laughs> and those who practice this form of communication with their capital creator oh. are not normally deemed, quote, eccentric or obsessed or even psycho. Because <laughs> that's a term we like to use when we're oh. talking about mental health. So, I know. Okay. I know. Oh, God. Oh. 
I'm so sorry, you guys, that I wrote this. <laughs> but I'm glad I did, because you know what? I can see how much better I got. Yes. I say, but consider this. While regular prayer is a good thing, can one pray too much? Can an individual be obsessive, compulsive? Uh, how did I say that? Can an individual be an obsessive, compulsive supplicant? I feel like there are probably a lot of people who obsessively pray. Yeah, it's called religious scrupulosity. That's what it's called. That's right. That's exactly. right. I learned I learned that a little while ago, and I was like, "Yep, that's a thing." Yeah, yeah. And um, I talk about how prayer, you know, is a learned thing. <laughs> you don't know how to pray from birth, and so that means that if you pray a lot, clearly it's a learned thing, right? I mean, it is obviously because yeah. we're not born with this desire to. You know, communicate yeah, which with says a lot about a supposed God, doesn't it? Right. <laughs> exactly. What a good point. What a good point. It says, I say, we were not born with the knowledge that prayer is important, and it is not a biological disorder when a person who fails to pray cannot fu- properly function. Hmm. This merely supports my argument that OCD <laughs> is primarily learned. Primarily learned. And then oh. I'm like, my argument stands firm. <laughs> I like your testimony. I know. Um, So in here, you know, I just kind of go on about how amazing the church is for helping people with um, disorders. But I I ended it by saying, you know, I honestly believe there is hope out there. After all, the Book of Mormon prophet Nephi did say, therefore, cheer up your hearts and remember the E.R. This is bolded. Free to act for yourselves. Through faith and a deep desire, an obsessive compulsive individual will find respite and regain his or her free agency. It is a gift offered to all. Oh, no. Kelly, no. I know. Now you want to know what, what okay, at the end, Kelly, this is so good. Underline twice. I found it to be well-written and enjoyable to read. (gasps) That was from your professor? Yeah. Yeah. (gasps) Of course. Oh, <laughs> my God. Uh, ah! <laughs> so, yeah. So now we're going to kind of get into um, just we're just going to talk about how the church might not be so great for people with OCD. OK, I'm glad that you were. I'm glad you're going there because I was about to say, like, when when in your little research paper there, you said the church helps people. And I'm, I was over here being like, but wait, wait, wait. Uh, what about all of the trauma and anxiety and, and disorders that it causes, though? <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, it's yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, so this this quote is from the Silver Fox, Dieter F. Uchtdorf. <laughs> Dieter fucking Uchtdorf. OK. <laughs> Dieter fucking Uchtdorf. It's like the fucking Catalina wine mixer, but Dieter Uchtdorf. <laughs> New nickname coined. Okay. Okay. Yes. Um, Hope is not knowledge, but rather the abiding trust that the Lord will fulfill his promise to us. It is confidence that if we live according to God's laws and the words of his prophets now, we will receive desired blessings in the future. It is believing and expecting that our prayers will be answered. It is manifesting confidence, optimism, enthusiasm, and patient perseverance. The adversary uses despair to bind hearts and minds in suffocating darkness. 
despair drains from us all that is vibrant and joyful and leaves behind the empty remnants. I love that word. The empty remnants of what life was meant to be. Despair kills ambition, advances sickness, pollutes the soul, and deadens the heart. Despair can seem like a staircase that leads only and forever downward, which would drive me crazy because I wouldn't be able to count it. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought of that. I was like, oh. Shit, I'd be like counting. Holy uh, shit, I love you. That's so good. <laughs> so, when I was researching for our lesson today, um, I googled Mormon mental health, and I found this lovely little article. Um, yeah. It's from February fifth, twenty eighteen. So it is a little old. Um, it's five years old, but I don't think much has changed. Um, I will say that I will give a little bit of. Um, Credit to the uh, leadership of the church because they are starting to try to talk about mental health. Finally. Uh, I know. I know. And so that is that is definitely um, progress, but it's not like trickling down to the stakes and the wards. Like right. we still have bishops that are, you know, trying to counsel people and they're a fucking plumber. Not that right. being a plumber is bad. Right. We love our plumbers, but I yeah, you're, you're not therapists. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so in this article, it's called Mormon Culture Influences Mental Illness Trends Among Members. And this was written, well, I, it was literally an article from a magazine. And I don't have my sources. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, I know. Okay. So Septem- this is about a woman named September DeSoto. And she had experienced her first panic attack while she was in church in Sacramento. She was 16 years old. Oh, dang. Yeah. You know what? What? That just triggered a really weird memory for me. Um, So I was in my very first panic attack that I had. I was a senior in high school and I was in my home ec class because, you know, we still had that. Uh, I was in my (laughs) home ec class and we were watching this video and this video, um, it was about some family. I don't know. And they were playing I am a child of God in it. And like nobody else knew. You know, that's oh, yeah, I literally felt like I was going to vomit. I started shaking. I had these cold sweats and I, I mean, I had to go out Whoa. and, you know, I didn't make the connection, but it just seems interesting that my body had a visceral reaction. Right. That's um, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, it's like, it was like, please stop. Stop. Yeah. Your body was like telling you, and especially like hearing that in a place where you're not expecting it, like you're not at church or whatever. And then you Mm -hmm. suddenly hear it and you get that reaction. That's very telling. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, September, this lady did not get the memo and, um, apparently she is still a member of the church. She lives in Utah. Oh no, September. No, I know she has a panic disorder and depression, but you know what, September, if you're listening, good job. You got out. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully that'd be cool. Yeah. (laughs) And what a cute name, too, by the way. I know. I think it is cute. Yeah. So in this article, um, Tim Heaton, he concluded in Statistical Profile of Mormons, Health, Wealth, and Social Life, that LDS women are significantly higher in depression than non-LDS women. About a fifth of Mormons say they have taken or are currently taking medication for depression. And that's only the people that report it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it says, uh, you know, we all know how fucked up the mental health system in Utah is, right? Like Ooh, yeah. everybody knows that how bad it is. Um, it's like literally Utah at this time ranked dead last 
in the nation when it came to adults with serious thoughts of suicide. Wow. They were dead last. You know what? I've, I've heard this over and over like multiple times. And I feel like I've even heard it recently, like, especially for women, but I think just the general population, it's like, it's ranked the worst in the United States. Oh yeah. 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 Or close to the worst if it's not still the worst. And well, and it's also interesting because like there, it also ranks 40th for adults with mental illnesses reporting unmet needs. Mm. I mean, Utah is like, it's, it's very sad. And what's frustrating is like, normally those, those statistics go hand. And when I say they got last in, you know, adults that thinking about suicide, that means like more adults were thinking about suicide, just to clarify. Right, right. They yeah. did not win the contest. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were the, it was the worst place to be. Yeah. They lost. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what's interesting is normally uh, those uh, suicide rates go up with adults with alcohol dependence and illicit drug use, but Utah doesn't have that. I mean, they do, but it's not as high. I as- mean, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. And so he, uh, this therapist, his name is Dallas Jensen. He's a licensed psychologist practicing in Provo. He said that the data about mental illness and suicide in Utah is complex and any simplistic interpretation should be treated with caution. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Um, says, I can't say that the LDS religion and culture are directly responsible for those types of statistics, but I also think it would be silly to suggest they are completely unrelated. Right. Because yeah. it's so, it's so, um, and in, like involved in everything if, mm-hmm. in Utah. But like, oh, yeah, it'd be, yeah it, it would not make sense to just say, oh yeah, that's not related. It's like, well, it probably is in some way at least. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so we go back to, to our friend, uh, September, uh, hi, she hi. said, um, that sh- when she was young, and we, we remember this, those young women's lessons uh-huh. about, she was taught you choose to be happy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was taught that you can choose to not be depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean that when you, when you, when you chance to see a frown, do not let it stay quickly, yeah. turn, it, turn upside it upside down. down. And smile that frown away. Yup. Damn, we were in a cult. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she said something super interesting. Um, Okay. People in the LDS LDS culture pretend to be the happiest people because they believe they have the true gospel. Yep. She said, I think we try to put on this face, especially in the LDS church, that our lives are perfect when that is completely false. The gospel is for the sick. It's for the people who need help. It's for the people. Hmm. I mean, oh, September was so close to getting it. And she then, was so close. And then oh, it was like, it's like oh, I mean, shit. Yeah. <laughs> she said that perfectionism, the damaging belief that one's worth is inherently attached to always doing or being their absolute best, is often a factor that negatively affects patients' mental health. Well, Duh. yeah. But like, that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, she's, she, that's correct, but also, like, that's what the church teaches. So, like, yes, you know, you're supposed to strive to be perfect. So, like, yes, it's a factor there. It's not just the culture, it's the church. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And our, our buddy Dallas, the therapist said, or psychiatrist, psychologist said, uh, I see people stuck in erroneous beliefs that negative feelings must mean they are less righteous or being punished by God or deeply flawed. 
I hear people say they are doing everything the church tells them to do, but they are still unhappy and then assume it's because they are just bad people. Oh, haven't we all been there? Haven't we all felt that and thought that? Yeah, yeah. I I wonder Uh, if Dallas is is Mormon or not. He kind of sounds like he's not, but. His last name is Jensen, which is definitely a Mormon last name, but maybe he got out because. Yeah, maybe. he's, He's able to, even if he didn't get out, he's able to like look at it. Um, step back and really look at exactly objectively. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is where my heart kind of breaks for September. Um, she said that the aspect of the LDS church that has helped her mental health the most is, what do you think? Um, I would guess prayer. No, close. You know how we would always answer in like, (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Wait, is it fasting? No, it's atonement. Oh, for okay. I'm a a horrible seminary student. (laughs) Oh, I know. I wouldn't have guessed it either. Um, But so when she was first struggling with her disorder, she talked to her brother about it. And he was like, I have no idea how you feel. But he said, (gasps) I know know what he's going to say. Yes, I know what Jesus Christ knows. (sighs) And she said that was something that really changed for me that day. Not only did he, Jesus Christ, in parentheses, because we wouldn't know who she's talking about, (laughs) suffer for all the mistakes we have ever made, but he also suffered for the things that are out of our control as well. Uh, Yet again, it's like, it's not that bad. Jesus had it worse. Jesus felt this pain, so get over it. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, oh my God, stop complaining. You weren't nailed to a fucking cross. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, until you're nailed on a cross, you can't complain. No, exactly. Um, so there's a quote from, um, what's his name? His name. Oh, God, I just lost like half of my pictures. It's from that Holland guy. We we love him. Oh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey R. Holland. Or... I need to find a good R word for. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, It says, so how do you best respond when mental health or emotional challenges confront you or those you love? Uh, Well, this is what you should do. You (laughs) should get therapy and go to a professional. That's what you should do. Exactly. (laughs) You should say, let's, let's go talk to somebody who understands and can work through this. Not, not this. Oh, never lose faith in your father in heaven. Yeah. Okay. That's the, that's, that's the thing that'll cure you. Yeah. Yeah, because he loves you more than you can comprehend, Katie. <laughs> oh, does he? <laughs> I'm going to say that it's true. That's a pretty shitty parent if they're just treating me like this, letting me feel like this. <laughs> so um, he goes on to quote President Monson, who, let's remember, he was a little crazy. Old Thomas. Thomas S. Thomas Tommy. Thomas Shithead Monson. <laughs> I was going to say shit show, but shithead's better. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, the amount of people we would offend with that. <laughs> all of them. All of the people. Um, he said that Monson said, that love from Heavenly Father never changes. It is there for you when you're sad or happy, discouraged or hopeful. God's love is there for you whether you, or not you feel you deserve it. It's simply always there. Well, how does that help me, though? Well, and also, when you, if you lose your faith in God, where does Uh, that leave you? Right. Yeah, yet another, like, fear tactic of, like, you lose your faith in God, then, 
oh, this this omnipotent being's not going to love you anymore. Or oh, whatever. exactly. You're going to be punished for not being Mormon anymore. Or, I mean, like <sighs> me, I didn't believe. I, I mean, I don't believe. I don't know what I believe. Like, I don't think there's anything. Um, yeah. And so that was the hardest thing for me to wrap my mind around. Yeah. I mean, same. That was that was the very last part of like, I mean, I'm still like deconstructing everything, but like in terms of like losing my beliefs, it was like very gradual of like, okay, I don't believe this doctrine. I don't believe this. Okay. Actually, I think the book of Mormon's a bunch of horse shit, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Like, well, maybe there's like some, this, maybe the heavenly father is just still there, but the Mormon stuff is wrong, but he's still like Mormon heavenly father. Exactly. I had to be like, okay, no, it's just not, it's just all bullshit <laughs> I, and it sucks it sucks it, to lose that because it's like almost like a comfort blankie you know oh, a secure thousand percent it yeah. is I mean because and I wonder if this is why suicide rates are higher in Utah I mean you have that hope and that faith that you're gonna go to heaven right 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 after you die and so maybe it doesn't seem as terrifying right because right. you're like I'm gonna go I'm gonna live my life up in heaven, I'm going to be able to, you know, get married to somebody <laughs> and have a trillion babies and right. you know, be fine. And but, like you even you have that that comfort that like there's that Mormon afterlife all set up for you and you're going to be with your family again and blah, blah, blah. And it's like you don't want to not believe that. But then you're like, but it doesn't I, I can't I can't logically or ethically say I believe that anymore. No. Just, I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, our buddy Holland has some good ideas Okay. on how to, you know, work through mental health struggles, Katie. So we're not leaving you hanging. <laughs> um, he says, uh, faithfully pursue the time tested devotional practices that bring the spirit of the Lord into your life. Seek the counsel of those who hold keys for your spiritual well-being. No, I know. Ask for and cherish priesthood blessings. No. <laughs> Take the sacrament every week and hold fast to the perfecting promises of the atonement of Jesus Christ. <sighs> it doesn't yeah. end there. It goes on. Okay. <laughs> you got to believe in miracles. <laughs> I have seen so many of them come when the, every other indication would say that hope was lost. Hope is never lost. If those miracles, I'm going to start talking like him. If those miracles do not come soon or fully or seemingly at all, remember the Savior's own anguished example. If the pitter cup does not pass, drink it and be strong, trusting in happier days ahead. What the fuck? What the hell? Again, like, yeah, just remember that Jesus suffered, so. Well, and also, like, I mean, he's pushing people, obviously, I mean, for financial reasons, I'm sure he's pushing people to just rely on the church and get fully deep in. Like if you are depressed and you are looking for some hope, that is like low hanging fruit right there. Right. 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 It's these really vulnerable people that they're exploiting. Exactly. So, I mean, they're stuck with thinking, okay, you know, if I pray, the spirit will be with me. If the spirit is with me, then Satan will stop, you know, making me count these fucking steps. Um, but I mean, it's, it's all false. Yeah. Like it's, it's so, it's so, it's so sad. And it's well, so and it's, up. and it's dangerous too, because it's like 
telling people how to get quote unquote better, but it's not actual advice. No. So then it's like preventing them from getting actual help. And then when things don't change, they their condition could probably get quite a bit worse because they think that it's their fault that they're not getting better and like God isn't helping them get better or Satan has too strong of a hold on them or whatever. And so right. it's just like spiraling downward. It's like the advice that they give is more harmful. Um, yes. Yeah. It'd and, be, better, be better if they just didn't say anything. I mean, like <laughs> they've gotten better. I will say that recently they've talked about medication, I believe, and how some people really do need it. But it took yeah. them a really long time like to get to that. All point. the people who have suffered up until now, and even like you said, now it's not even really that talked about. It's just kind of like a little mention. Like they'll say it in one general conference talk in right. like, you know, like uh, a two couple years. of sentences. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, also what I found interesting was, you know, one of the things that really caused me to develop this, um, my anxiety disorders, which I was, I was born with obviously genetic tendency to have them, but Mm -hmm. you know, things in my life happened to kind of really trigger it. Um, one of the things was the teaching of perfectionism, Mm 1000% because I mean, this was until recently. I, I just really thought that, you know, you have to strive to be perfect. You always have to push to be better, 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 better. No, no, you no. do not. Fun fact, you're badass exactly as you are. Yes. And you know what? Just fly that freak flag. Be okay with being who you are because it's up to you. And this is your one shot, right? Yeah. To, to, have this life. There, I, I mean, spoiler alert, it's, you're not going to have a, a big family reunion in the afterlife. <laughs> Maybe you will. And you're, you, I don't know, but I don't think you will. So this life is the one life you have. If you're constantly yeah. trying to better yourself and be better, 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 and never be good enough. It's, it's just so damaging. And you, yeah. you can be like me and find yourself in a, freaking inpatient facility. Right. Like that was the most bizarre thing. Like if you met me on the street, you would have no idea that I had to go inpatient. Right. Right. And one of the craziest things was that's where I found my people. Mm, I love it. <laughs> I was oh. like, These people get me and they understand. And, um, so again, I want to like follow up by saying, or finish this up by saying, Nobody's perfect. Jesus Christ wasn't even perfect. I don't think he even existed. If he did, (laughs) he was a prophet. He was a great guy. Right. um, Nobody is fucking perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. Constantly pushing yourself to be perfect or be whatever. Yeah, it's not only exhausting, but it's just going to do damage to your mental health. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, that standard, the beauty standard constantly is changing. It's such a fluid, fluid movement. Like Uh with, I mean, look at the Kardashians. Now they're getting skinny and they're going to lose their butt implants and people are going to be like, what the fuck do I do with this butt implant? And you know, it's like, it makes me so sad when I see people changing themselves to look like someone else. It's like, I I would love if people could just embrace their differences and not think that they have to have the same body or the same hair or the same whatever, the same mm-hmm. skin tone as someone else. Because what makes people beautiful is their differences and their, their individuality. So much, yeah. Yeah. And there's just so much focus on like 
what you need to look like. And I, I was actually talking to my, my friend, Chelsea, who was just on the podcast about this. Like, I just think that, like, it comes to a point where you're like, you know what, like, yeah, like looking pretty, looking whatever is like all, all great and cool and nice. But like, what people look like is the least interesting thing about them, or it should be, you know? <laughs> well, it should be. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> so like, for, yeah, it doesn't apply to everyone. But you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, th- uh, why are we constantly, people are like constantly striving for this quote unquote beauty, beauty standard that's just going to change anyway. Why not just love yourself? <laughs> I, enjoy life. Enjoy I mean, life. <laughs> I'm so glad that you know that because a lot of people don't. And I will admit, I I was one of those people who was changing myself. Like I did get implants. And would you believe it? This is this is what's fucking crazy. I got a tummy tuck. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. You, that just blows my mind. It's so stupid. Like it's so stupid. And you know like, what? I'm all for if people want to change their body just because it makes them feel good and that's how they want to express themselves, I'm all for it. Go yeah. for it. But if you're doing it because you feel like you need you're to change yourself enough. and you're not good enough and you need to change yourself to look like someone else and not mm-hmm. look like you, that's where it's a problem. It's like, do do you do it like wear and do and change whatever you want. But I feel like it has to come from a, a part of you that's like loving and embracing and enhancing yourself. Not like yeah. I need to be something different because I'm not good enough. Oh yeah. And that was 100 million percent of the reason that I had those, those surgeries is because I hated the way I looked. And, um, I mean now after having had the tummy tuck, I still am not like, damn. I, I mean, cause like, and here's the thing, dear listeners. I, I know a lot of you haven't seen Kelly. I have. She's <laughs> fucking a stunner. Like she is so beautiful and just super fit. Like lots of people would be like, I, that's you know, my ideal body, but you know how funny that we still do this to ourselves mm-hmm. when you're just like, I still don't feel like whatever we've been conditioned to yeah. think we're not worthy of like all kinds of different things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. Exactly. So, I mean, I hope that my cautionary tales of the things that I've done will save people from thousands of dollars <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because like, I I wanted the reason I got a tummy tuck. I had kids. And so I had a little bit of sagging in my belly was nothing major at all, but I did have like a hernia. Anyway, I tell people I had hernia surgery because that makes me feel better. Um, (laughs) But the the reason I did it was because I wanted to have a tiny waist. Mm. That was literally the only reason I did it. And my body isn't made that way. Like I, I have like, I really don't have a waist. Like I'm, I, like to joke that I'm shaped like a 14 year old boy. And before (laughs) I had my boob job, I was, (laughs) but, um, you know, it's like, I look in the mirror now and, you know, after having put on some weight because I'm healthier, um, I'm just like, why did I, why did I do that to myself? It was so unnecessary, especially now that my body is pretty much back to where it was before I had the surgery. You know why you did it? You look amazing, but you know why you did it is because of perfectionism and constantly thinking that we need to change ourselves. And like, if we're not happy, there's something wrong with us. That's exactly it. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, this seeps out into everything. Like sometimes, you know, we hear people say like, you need to just leave the church alone. Just stop talking about it if you don't like it. But you know what? It damages so much. It's not just like the teachings, like it gets in to the members heads and it affects how they think 
about everything. And we know because we were there and we still struggle with those thoughts. So yeah, yeah I, I want to reiterate what Kelly said. You don't need to be perfect. Love yourself as you are. And yeah, just if you, if you feel like you need help, reach out and do it from a professional. <laughs> yes. Not from a church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I hope that people can eventually at some point get to the point where they are comfortable with discussing mental health issues yeah. and they're comfortable reaching out to their friends and checking to make sure they're okay. Because had I had cancer, I would have had lots of people, you know, right. Oh, you what know, can we do? It was that silence. Is, that is such a good point because yeah, I mean, for example, like you break your arm and people are going to be at your door with dinner and they're going to be checking on you all the time. But mental health is still so stigmatized that people mm-hmm. are just like, well, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's like, it should be the same thing as if with any other physical illness, really. Oh, yeah. 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 And like my poor husband was home, you know, taking care of everything. And nobody was like, what can we do to help? Now, if we were members of the church, maybe there would have been people over. Maybe. But, I mean, <laughs> That the trade-off is is really bad on that, so I would yeah. I would not recommend. But yeah, I, I I just take care of each other. Yeah, let each other know that you're there. Like, it's not hard to be nice at, to somebody who's having a hard time. Yeah, it's not hard. Like literally, smiles changed my day. Oh, like if I was going to to like a. I would leave the house just to get a soda. That was like literally the only thing. And I got to know the 7-Eleven people really well. Oh, cute. That <laughs> is they would so... always smile and say hi. And like, that was the highlight of my day. Oh my gosh. When I go to the grocery store and the cashier remembers me, or even if they don't, if they're just like friendly to me, I'm like, oh, my day just got a lot better. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. Oh. That's a great note to end on. Be good to each other, especially all of us that are like in this Exmo headspace and we're all trying to like get through it. We got to messy. We got to lean on each other a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) I definitely like I've been going through, you know, I was going through my journals and I can see like how I changed and um, I can't wait to share more. (laughs) I'm so excited because I'm funny. You are funny. funny. I mean, you just came up with Dieter fucking Uchtdorf. (laughs) And that just brought me so much joy. (laughs) My favorite, though, is David O. Okay. David O. Okay. (laughs) Forever amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for preparing the lesson and being on the show again. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah. And listeners, thank you so much, as always, for listening. And we'll be back next week. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.